Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Behind the scenes, things have been a little crazy, I'm not going to lie. But I am so, so, so excited to announce that we have officially hired a production assistant to help me keep my life together and to help keep our shows regular. If you don't know, I also host two true crime podcasts, one called Crimes of Passion, a Spotify original from Parcast, and True Crime Fan Club. So trying to keep everything together and making sure these episodes get released on time has not always been my forte, and for that, I apologize. But I have been working diligently behind the scenes to get my team up to date, and we are ready to move forward. So, many things can be considered paranormal, other than those involving spirits. The true meaning of paranormal is any event that can't be scientifically proven or occurs beyond the scope of scientific understanding. From sounds of footsteps in long-abandoned woods to seemingly benign childhood restaurant terrors, these stories fall beyond the scope of normal understanding and traditional hauntings. Okay, ready to get spooked? Razzy Cakes opens this episode with the hope for answers. Hey gang, this is going to be a little bit of a long story, but I want to give as much detail as possible because I'm genuinely seeking advice or thoughts. Some background on the first incident. My dad, 55, and I, 23, went on a trip across the country to move me to a new state. One of the stops on the way would be my dad's uncle's. He's 73 and we'll call him Mark his cabin. The cabin is situated in rural Illinois, about 55 minutes from the nearest town. There is no street markings whatsoever, and the nearest neighbor is a good six miles away. Mark is a farmer by trade, so his cabin is surrounded by at least 200 acres of farmland, right in the middle of the Shawnee National Forest. On two sides of the cabin, there is woodland so thick you couldn't walk through it, and on the other two sides, there are a field of crops. The cabin itself is three stories. The basement houses a small garage and laundry room. The middle floor is the largest, having Mark's bedroom, the kitchen, the living or dining room, and a bathroom. The top floor is just a landing and two bedrooms that connect through a shared bathroom. My dad and I each got one of the bedrooms. The middle floor has a raised deck on three sides that are full of windows and has a massive sliding glass door. And you guessed it, when it's nighttime out there, there is absolutely nothing to subset the darkness. You can't see a single thing out of the windows, no matter how hard you try. Now, let's move on to the creepy part. The first night we stayed there, I was sitting on my dad's bed chatting. He had his window open to ventilate the room, and you could hear lots of movement from outside on the ground level. Of course, we couldn't see anything. We could only hear trees swaying, branches and dry grass crunching by something walking on it. Don't worry, we assumed it was deer as there were many in the area and went to bed without any issues. The next day comes and goes after my dad and I spent it exploring the area on a UAV. The next night, after Mark goes to bed, 
My dad and I were sitting in the living room watching an old movie on the TV. This was around 9 p.m. and I remember getting the distinctly anxious feeling while sitting there with my dad. I routinely looked through some of the windows that were surrounding it, but as you guessed, I couldn't see anything but black. Around 10.30, my dad and I go to our appointed bedrooms and he quickly falls asleep. I messed around on my phone till around 1.30 a.m. At this point, I shut my door so only a sliver of light is getting into my room and I could barely see out into the dim landing. I plug my phone into the charger and hop back into bed, ready to go to sleep. Around 20 to 30 minutes goes by of me trying to fall asleep and that's when I hear it, clear as day. There is a loud and forceful knock on one of the windows. Three distinct knocks. I shoot up in bed and just sit there for a few seconds, listening and looking out through the small crack in the door. I get up and I am hit with this overwhelming feeling that I should not open my door and go out. So I end up going through the shared bathroom and into my dad's room. I wake the poor guy up from a dead sleep and tell him that I heard some knock on either the glass doors or the windows. My dad gets up and I follow him downstairs and he checks the entire house before locking both of the doors that my uncle always leaves open. After turning on the porch light and checking the house, we found nothing and go back up to our rooms. I am extremely unsettled, but could tell my dad was assuming I had just freaked myself out. The next morning comes around. I go downstairs where my dad is sitting at the table with Mark. Apparently, the two had been discussing what I had heard last night. That is, when my dad tells me that Mark heard the same knocking at the same time of night on three separate occasions. The first time he heard the knocking, he immediately jumped up from bed and grabbed the shotgun he keeps in his closet. He knew there would be no one or nothing good knocking at his door in the middle of nowhere at 2 a.m. He saw nothing when he looked outside and... When the knocking came twice more, he didn't bother checking it. Mark is a 73-year-old tough cowboy that is straight-up fearless and doesn't find any enjoyment in lying. We left the same day to continue our journey across the states. The second event occurred just last week. My dad was visiting my mom and I in our two-bedroom house before he flew out of the city's airport the next day. Due to him being there, I spent the night on an air mattress on the floor of my mom's bedroom while he slept in my bed. My mom's bedroom is in the back of the house with a small backyard and a sloped six-foot wall leading up into the desert. Around 5 a.m., I am jolted awake by this extremely loud knock on my mom's bedroom window. I sit up and just stared at the curtain-covered window. My mom had already been awake, she's an early riser, and had her earphones in watching something. She yanked them out and asked me if I had heard it as well, the two of us just sat in silence. She tells me that if she opens the curtains, she just knows that something is going to be staring back at her. I go and wake my dad up, again, poor dad, and tell him the two of us heard someone at my mom's window. He goes outside and finds nothing, but reports that he heard the dogs barking off and on for a little over an hour. Strange. My mom and I heard no barking whatsoever. The sun comes and goes and nothing else happens the next night or any night since then. So that's the end of my experiences. 
I just think both events, especially the first, are beyond bizarre. Both times I was overwhelmed by the negative and anxious feelings, and I just have no explanation for either. I need your input on what you think could have happened, as it has been on my mind since all of this happened. Thanks. I hate to leave you with an I don't know, but it's not easy to give a concrete answer for paranormal experiences. All we can do is speculate and wonder at what happened to you. First, I hope you find comfort in knowing you were able to corroborate your experience with multiple family members. Too many people are plagued with the thought that they imagined their experience or they're crazy because they were alone. Second, the negative and anxious emotions were probably your own intuition aware of this outside threat. I'm glad you were able to calmly listen to your gut and stay safe. Ultimately, we can't say for sure what you experienced, but I hope you can come to terms with your encounter. Our next story comes from Anonymous, who lived in a home that made a believer out of them. Hey everyone, so basically this is a story about a house I lived in a year ago near my IT campus in the west of Ireland, which I believe was haunted. To begin, before living there, I was always pretty skeptical of haunted houses and for good reason. As a teenager, we would often visit haunted houses in our locality, which never really proved to be so, at least while we were present there. A few days after moving into our new college house for our final year, my friends and I went out to do some shopping and get food. Upon arriving back, we noticed someone had left the oven on, and we each denied it, but we knew someone had to have left it on. Looking back, this was probably the first unexplained incident, as thinking about it, nobody had even put food in the oven. Over the following few weeks, we started to notice odd things happening such as creaks, groans, and movements from the side of our eyes. At this point, two of the housemates were convinced of a haunting. However, myself and another were still not convinced. Soon, only I was left unconvinced, as one day, while the other non-believer was home doing study, they looked up to see a face peering at them before vanishing. It finally clicked for me when I woke up one night just before Christmas to see a very large man, or what I believed to be a man, staring at me from my wardrobe. Then things started to get really strange. Bootprints started to appear on the ceiling, making tracks across the roof. By the end of the year, one of my friend's girlfriends swore she saw him upstairs in the room when he had been downstairs with me all along. Our shower, for which there are three switches needed to turn it on, would turn on in the middle of the night. One room off the kitchen would send shivers down our spines any time we went in there. There was one night in particular which really scared me. I always locked my door before going to bed and distinctly remember doing this that night. When I awoke in the night, I could see the large man again, this time at the end of my bed. I shut my eyes, telling myself it was a dream, and 
went back to sleep. The next morning, my door was wide open. So were all the doors in my wardrobe, and the guys had told me it sounded like I was dragging my school bag from one end of the room to the other all night. So many things happened in that house, but this story has gone on long enough. I decided to send this in after telling a Galway person about living in the estate. Without saying which house I lived in, he told me of a creepy haunted house at the back of the estate, which a family he knew had moved out of a few years prior. And when I told him which number it was and how I knew, he almost fell off his chair. Anyways, I hope you found this interesting. We all got out of the house unscathed, but it really made believers out of all of us. After reading so many paranormal stories, I've begun to wonder if spirits are as petty as the living are. I frequently come across stories of skeptical folk who were suddenly inundated with activity they weren't able to disprove. Are some ghosts looking for skeptics to make into believers out of straight pettiness? If that's the case, sign me up for that job in the afterlife. Breezy tells us a chilling tale about our childhood nightmares come true. So, I was with friends watching a YouTuber who read a creepypasta story on the showbiz pizza Uncle Clunk animatronic, and it brought back an old memory of something that happened to me as a kid. I was maybe five when we were on vacation to a family reunion, and one of my uncles thought it would be fun to take us all to a local showbiz pizza so all the kids could play. The place was pretty empty, and we had it mostly to ourselves, and I remember seeing Uncle Clunk on stage there. After eating, we were all upstairs in the arcade area when I noticed my teddy wasn't with me. My grandpa gave it to me, and I never went anywhere without it. So I went downstairs to the stage area where we ate, hoping to find it. I was the only one down there. All the people and staff were upstairs, and all the animatronics were turned off. The place didn't have curtains to cover them, so I could see they were shut down, so I knew I was completely alone. As I was looking around everywhere for my bear, I heard someone say, Your little friend's under the booth chair where you were eating. Not caring to see who spoke, I ran and looked where they said, My teddy was there, just like they had said. I looked to say thank you, but... No one was there, and I remembered I was alone down there. Like I said, all the staff, my family, and everyone else was upstairs, so I was confused. Then behind me, I heard the same voice say, Your mom is looking for you. You should go. I turned, but the only one there was Uncle Clunk, and it had its eyes open wide, its mouth and a big, creepy smile. Then its head turned to look straight at me. I was confused and scared now since all the other animatronics were off and he didn't do this in the show. So I quickly walked back up the stairs and each time I looked back at the animatronic, it was looking at me like it was watching me go. As I made it to the top, 
I ran to find my mom and could hear it laughing. I found my mom at the counter and she was relieved to see me, and she told me not to walk off like that. I tried to tell everyone what I saw, but they all just said it was my imagination, or a staff member messing with me. But I know what I saw, and when I went downstairs with my parents to get the check, my dad left and I looked over at it, but it looked turned off. As we left, I looked back at it again and saw its eyes open to look at me and held my mom's hand tighter. When I told my friends the story, they thought it was cool, like five nights at Freddy's in real life, but that was no game. Okay, so a very large and in charge strong no thank you. That story is a literal nightmare that I'm sure quite a few of us have had as kids. And as a former Chuck E. Cheese employee, I will say that I was also scared of those animatronics. Um, mostly because I believe in the paranormal, so I believe anything can be haunted. <laughs> so all that to say, I'm still pretty weary about creepy little restaurants with animatronic entertainment. I can't believe that that truly happened to you, and I have so many chills going down my arms right now. I hate, hate, hate things like this. Now, even though it's creepy to hear this type of encounter, I encourage any other listeners with this kind of story to reach out and let us know if it happened to you too. You know, for science. Our next story comes from Rinsa, who saw someone missing something important. A few years ago, my dad and I were driving home from somewhere. We were on our road and to our right, there was a clearing in the trees exposing a nice view as this point is at a fairly high elevation. I stopped here to admire sunsets now and again. Anyway, at this clearing, right down next to the road is a house and another road that comes up out of the forest to meet the main road. As we were driving, there was a car waiting for us to pass so they could pull out. I looked to see if the driver saw us and wouldn't pull out in front of us, etc., but I couldn't tell what I was looking at. What I saw instead of a face was just kind of a blur. Like if someone who had painted a face just wiped it around with their hand afterwards. Or it was as if their face was blocked from my brain or something. Anyway, it didn't compute. I was in the middle of telling myself that I must be imagining things or something when my dad said, What? I said, You saw that too? And he said, Yeah, what was that? I'm sure there's a logical explanation, but I'm also sure I'll never know. Wow, so that was a short story that packed in quite the punch. There really is no explanation for the phenomena the both of you encountered, but I do wonder if anyone else has experienced something like this. I know I've heard stories like this in the past, and of course, we'd love to hear from any listeners who could help validate this experience and maybe help understand what that was. The next story is from Kermoyne, who tells us about a sudden uptick in activity. 
I'm 22 and an out-of-state college student. I'm going to get right to the point because, to be honest, I'm kind of freaked out. On Thanksgiving break, I was visiting my parents' house, and while I was the only one awake, I walked to the kitchen to get myself some water. I was Snapchatting my boyfriend while walking down the hall, about to send a funny picture when I caught something out of the corner of my eye. I saw a shadow of a man about five feet tall, just six feet away from me as I passed the living room. I shined my light on it, but there was nothing there. About a week later, now this was recounted to me by my dad at Christmas, whom I had not told about the Thanksgiving encounter. My sister, her friend, and my mom had to run to the store and my dad stayed home. He was watching TV in the living room when he saw a five-foot-tall figure wearing a hoodie walk from the hallway to the kitchen. He told me it was so realistic he took it for my sister, who is the same height and also wears hoodies, and said to it, I thought you went with them to the store. He walked into the kitchen and nothing was there. No one was in any bedrooms or the bathrooms either. I asked him if it walked like her, you know, heavy-footed, and he said, no, it more glided along its path. Fast forward to now, a little over a month later, and my roommate and I are snowed in our house. My mom calls me, and when I greet her, she says my dad is there too. They're quick to spit out asking if I'm okay, what I'm doing. I tell them, yeah, of course, I haven't left the house and we just finished a movie. They tell me that while they and my dog were in the kitchen, a wooden plaque my sister made for me with my name on it and a sticker from my university fell into the center of my bedroom. I think I should note that both of those things had been sitting untouched, securely placed on a shelf in my room for the better part of two years. I have no clue what's going on here and if I should be worried for my family or not. Does this sound like something we need to address or could it be something peaceful? I've had encounters like hearing my deceased grandmother and guardian angel. Christmas bells playing a few years ago when they most certainly weren't, but never seen anything or have had things move before this past November. We've lived in the house for almost 20 years. Actually, my parents called me the next day and said the smoke detector went off in my room. The battery wasn't bad and there wasn't any smoke. It was just the one in my room, and it turned off when my dad entered the room. We believe it's a deceased family member, so nothing harmful. But it's definitely someone trying to talk to me and my dad. I don't have a concrete answer for you, but after you said the activity was a deceased family member, it got me thinking you were right. It makes sense that this was only happening when you were visiting your family home after leaving for university. I'm curious if the activity began happening when you were starting university for the first time. Maybe this family member misses you when you're gone and wants you to know it. You know, something for you to think about. Poison Ivy brings us our next startling yet heartwarming story. At the time, my great-grandpa was in hospice and we would go to see him every day. That night, my mom put me to bed and tucked me in, and I immediately fell asleep. I woke up at 3 a.m. on the dot because I felt stuff moving on my bed. 
I thought it was my dog, so I ignored it, but then I realized my dog was huge, and I would definitely know if it was him. So I jumped up, and hold on, because I'm about to sound crazy. It was both of my great-grandpa's dogs that had been put down, and I vividly remember playing with them. When I looked up and saw my great-grandpa sitting at the end of my bed, which surprisingly didn't scare me, and he said, Go tell Mama I'm not at the hospital anymore. So of course, eight-year-old me went down the hallway to wake my mom up to tell her that. An hour later, she got a phone call saying he had passed away in his sleep. It's definitely really sad when someone we care for passes away, but sometimes when they visit, like your great-grandpa did, it helps make the experience easier to bear. Maybe he came to you with the information more to ease your mother through it. I know it's been a while since this happened, but I still wish to extend my condolences and hope you were able to cope through that grief at such a young age. I was very close to the age you were when my grandfather passed away and I was absolutely devastated by his loss. One of the paranormal encounters I experienced when I was young happened in the morning when I was supposed to be going to school, but I was so overcome with grief that I really didn't want to get up and face the day ahead. Then I heard my grandpa's walker making these very distinct clicking sounds, and it was a sound he made whenever he was getting up in the morning and walking around the apartment, and since I was asleep, I felt this like rush of excitement because I was like, oh my gosh, it was a dream. He is here. And then I heard him call my name, and I bolted up out of bed and he wasn't there. But I remember feeling this peace come over me when that happened, and... Although my grief wasn't alleviated, I felt like some connection to him, so that made me feel a whole lot better. And I hope that that's what you feel knowing that your grandpa chose you to share that message. Ian Tower wraps up this episode with a story about something mysterious in the woods. This can't be good. This story happened three years ago when I was 15 in my village. I don't tell this story much because people tend to think I'm making it up, but I've been thinking of it quite a lot this week and I want people to know. My village is located in a rural area that is protected by the government because it has been considered a natural paradise for the last 30 years. This means that exploration in this area is quite difficult nowadays since it's forbidden to cut trees, which means that it's a huge forest. I was spending my summer there and my favorite thing was going hiking, although I had never gone alone into the woods, just the roads with people. My grandma told me that cleaning services had opened and rehabilitated a path that had been covered in bushes and trees for the last 30 years because of a race that was being prepared, like for runners and stuff. Usually I'd go to the nearest town, which was an hour away by foot, by the only way I knew, the road. On my way back from seeing friends there, I took the new path my granny said was safe, alone. This was a mistake. The first part of the path was the easiest, just too many obstacles and landslides, but it was nothing compared to the rest. The second part was a hill full of rocks that was the hardest thing to go up. 
Literally, I had to climb on all fours like a dog. When I got to the top, I looked around and found some animal bones. I didn't pay much attention to it since the area is known for its big population of wolves and bears that go out at night. I continued on my way faster than before. This part was plain floor where the woods really begin, so it was a relief until I got to a dead end. Some huge trees had fallen exactly in a row on the path and it was impossible to cross them. This seems really off to me because there were no other fallen trees. The weirdest part? Beside those trees was a little barn. Yes, a barn. In the middle of the woods. I thought to myself that it was probably abandoned because it looked like it was. So I decided to throw my bag into the little field that belonged to the barn and then I crossed the fence. I crossed it running without realizing the most bizarre thing. That field had no trees in it. It was clear. No bushes, no big plants, nothing. It really shouldn't have been like that if it was abandoned. I started feeling concerned about how the location of the fallen trees was so coincidental, how there casually was a barn beside with a clear field when that path had been closed for 30 years. It just seemed really off. I went on and luckily I was reaching the last hill my grandma had described the one that connected with the village. Suddenly, there was a silent moment in the woods, which allowed me to hear some branches cracking behind me. I thought to myself it was a bird or something, but they started to come closer. They really sounded like footsteps. After trying to convince myself it was probably an animal, and now I was so afraid I couldn't look back, I started walking faster. Guess what? So did the footsteps. I started running after noticing, and so did the footsteps again. I was running for my life at this point. Suddenly, I started hearing incredibly loud grunts. Everything was going really fast. Luckily, I got to my village in a minute or so after that. I got into the patio of the first house I found and closed the door. It was a relative's house, so no need to call the police. I stayed there for 10 minutes until I got my breath back and then came back home. I get chills just from remembering the place, not having signal in the middle of nowhere and the grunts. It makes me think there was something following me and the barn and the trees were just a distraction to slow me down. I never went into the woods alone after that. I shudder to think about what could have been following you, at first, I wanted to explain it away as an animal, but I also have a true crime podcast, so I don't even want to imagine how you almost had your own version of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre story here. Did you think the whole experience was simply paranormal? I honestly hope so in this case, because spirits and ghosts are a lot less frightening than what the living are capable of. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Olivia Holmesley and Jesse Hawk. Writing assistance provided by Sherilyn Reyes. 
The official composer for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineering provided by Chez at Gray Multimedia. Until next time. Did you hear that?